What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of the Around the Crease podcast. This week, I'm talking with Illinois Tech head coach Dan Sharbaugh. He is actually going to be starting his first season as head coach, and Illinois Tech will be beginning its first season as a program. So this week, we talk with Coach Sharbaugh about what it's like starting a program from scratch um, and all the things that would entail between recruiting players and just kind of getting the word out in general and the anxiousness of starting that first season. And we're starting now. All right, I'm here with head coach Dan Sharbaugh of Illinois Tech Lacrosse. Coach, thanks for being on the, the podcast this week. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things like it's pretty unique. One, we're in a, sitting in a room together. I, have, I don't think uh, I've recorded a podcast with someone in the same room, so this is uh, different. It's fun. Um, but it's also a little bit different because not every day that I get to talk with a coach who's get the chance to start a brand new program from scratch. Um, so before we kind of get into the starting of the Illinois Tech program, what's a little bit of your background with lacrosse? Yes, yeah, so I uh, grew up in New Hampshire, so I was around the sport quite a bit growing up. Uh, kind of got a later start than most people in the area. Started playing in eighth grade, and one of the big reasons was our high school was very good at soccer, and I would watch the high school team play, and they were physical, and they were tough, and not usually said about soccer a ton, but um, you know they were very impressive athletes. So started playing with the goal of being a little more physical and really just loved the sport from the get-go, had some success with it, made you know varsity team sooner in lacrosse than I did for soccer. So you know kind of went with it, wasn't really thinking long-term college anything when I started, but got to after my junior year of high school, uh, made the New Hampshire All-Star team traveled down to uh, UMass and Baltimore for champ camp and you know it was just kind of playing didn't really think it was recruiting tournaments necessarily but got recruited out of there and ended up going to Eastern University outside Philadelphia which was actually a startup program my freshman year so kind of funny to be on the other side of things now uh, building the program but you know played there ended up getting the opportunity to coach there for two years after graduating and um, after that second year coach Childs our head coach who uh, took over the program my senior year uh, was offered and accepted the job at York College so kind of hit a fork in the road of do I stay and continue where I played or do I go with Coach Childs and experience something different and, you know, went, kind of dove in, took a uh, part-time job that I was working pretty much full-time at, at your college and, you know, great experience. I mean, anytime you get to step on the same field as the Salisbury's and Stevenson's of the world was a pretty cool experience. You know, we, Salisbury in 2012 that year uh, went undefeated and won the national championship. So it was a pretty impressive team. I think they had like 15 All-Americans on it. So, Good learning experience, a lot different than what I was used to. And after that season, um, I was offered the opportunity to be a full-time assistant at Gettysburg College in central Pennsylvania. So going from Coach Child to, I think, two or three years ago was the D3 Coach of the Year. So kind of young up-and-comer when I was working for him to going to Hank Janzik, who is the second-winningest coach of all time in Division Three, gave you very different um, – ends of the spectrum in terms of 
you know, styles and philosophies and how they, you know, handled things. And, you know, I try to be somewhere in the middle of those two. Obviously, I don't compare myself to either of them at this point. Um, but, you know, great teachers, great insight on not just, you know, athletics, lacrosse but life in general both very solid human beings and uh good men of uh you know great character and integrity and so you know taught me a lot probably more off the field than on the field stuff and just how to handle the human side of things and so um, after my second year at Gettysburg the former AD of Eastern who when coach Childs left he asked me to interview for the head coaching job there I turned down the opportunity and went to York but he had left Eastern and was at his alma mater which was Center College down in Danville Kentucky so their job came open and I applied and went down and wasn't really sure what to expect from a small school in Kentucky, but fell in love with the place on my interview, saw a lot of potential in it. Uh, and so it took the job, you know, kind of moved from Gettysburg to Center College, uh, coached there for four years and really enjoyed my time. You know, it's a great place. I think took over at a interesting time where the coach who had started the program had left and it was just kind of a weird transition um, situation, but, you know, after I got down there, I thought we, you know, started to turn a corner after a couple of years, um, a lot of focus on recruiting and, you know, was starting to see some of the benefits or reap some of the benefits of what we had, of the work we had put in. And, um, you know, uh, my situation had changed quite a bit while I was there. I got married to my college girlfriend, now wife, and we had a daughter and, Obviously, when you bring a kid into the world, it changes your perspective on everything. And, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed my time at Center, there was um, an aspect of what's the long-term future family-wise going to be. And I don't think my wife or I really thought Central Kentucky was the best situation for us and Lucy, our daughter. And so, um, you know, the opportunity at Illinois Tech popped up and there was a lot to like about the school, you know, the technology-based background or the focus of it, um, the innovative side of things. And the city of Chicago, I visited a few times before and loved it. Uh, New England guy and never really had much interest in living in Boston. My wife's from Philly and uh, there would need to be a very heavy price to get me to go back to <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, but, you know, Chicago is just a great place, you know, to live. And I think from now the lacrosse side of things the students were getting I think you're getting a pretty much unparalleled experience in a lot of ways especially in division three lacrosse and so that's kind of a quick background of how I ended up here and uh you know what brought me to Chicago yeah so you mentioned the so what was it specifically about Illinois Tech because obviously you guys are entering your first season you'll play your first on the field season in 2020 this coming spring but so what was their kind of pitch and what was most attractive about coming to start a program yeah I think one of the big things is over the last few years you know working in the small liberal arts schools um, I just started hearing a lot more people mention you know I'm looking for engineering I'm looking for architecture computer science and at first it was kind of like okay well good luck and after a few years and more kids saying it, it turned into what's going like, what is happening? You know, the, and it makes sense, you know, the technology side of things, um, you know, the world's getting more technologically advanced. These majors that we offer with the engineering, the computer sciences, the architecture, the maths, and, you know, all, you know, we've started programs in 
recently, um, what's the big one? Uh, artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, machine learning is what they call it. It's kind of makes sense. You know, the future of higher education, there's a lot of majors here that are going to be relevant for a long time. And it was becoming harder and harder in my mind to, um, you know, convince people that certain areas of study were worth the price of tuition at certain places. And so, you know, obviously that was a big piece of it, just the future of the school and kind of the future of higher education. And then, like I said, adding in the city of Chicago, where not only is it a great city to live and, you know, go out and see sporting events and concerts, but it's a city that prides itself on its architecture and its engineering and its, you know, um, futuristic or innovative, you know, um, innovative technology, I guess I'll say. And so, you know, the idea of working at a school that really fits the fiber of the city that it's in, um, really said a lot. And, you know, like I I told you on our tour, 98% of the kids who walk across stage at graduation at Illinois Tech have jobs or admission to grad school already taken care of. And I'm a firm believer it's because of the hands-on learning experience they get while here on campus and being located in a place that gives them those opportunities. So um, those were big pieces of it. I mean, again, just the idea of the challenge of starting something new and the expansion of the sport and being able to be in an area that is growing like crazy with it here in Chicago. Um, Just a lot of pretty cool features of it that I, uh, you know, in the end couldn't pass up. Right. So and you've been here, you said, uh, I think a, almost a year and a half now? I started June 1st of 2018. So, yes, about 18 months-ish. Right. So just kind of going through the timeline. So you get here, what what was the, um, I guess, state of the program? Like, mm-hmm. what's it like coming onto campus with no lacrosse program and then to get to a point where you're almost ready to play? Yeah, well, I'll start with saying there was a little bit of uh, – Maybe some expectations that were a little interesting that I've been told there was a lacrosse club on campus, which there was not, um, but that's okay. I think I was going to try to recruit my own team anyway. But, you know, getting here, it was funny in my interview. They asked, you know, what are your plans for the first 100 days? And I just looked at – I can't remember which coach asked it, but I said recruiting. I mean, there's no purpose of planning anything else if we don't have a team on campus. And so um, getting here, the big thing for me was learn as much about the school as possible. I think in the first week I was here, I was actually living on campus for about three weeks while I found a place to live. Um, I took probably 15 tours of campus. I met with every coach on campus. I met with professors. It was amazing to me how many actually had – some type of background or ties to the sport of lacrosse and so just trying to gather as much information as possible that way I could sound like I knew what I was talking about and you know without a team I had plenty of time on my hands as far as when kids came to visit I did the tours I sat and talked with them about the school because a I enjoy the interaction and you know you're in my office right now you see how little uh little socializing I get to do on a day-to-day basis when I'm in here. So, um, you know, that was kind of the big thing for me was just getting to learn the school, starting to learn about the city and being able to, you know, I don't like to use the word sell kids on the school, but inform them enough to help them make the decision because I do believe this is a place that can offer you almost anything you would ever want to do. And, uh, you know, just being educated myself in that regard was a big piece of it. And then uh, for me, the big thing was 
without with not having a team, I couldn't let any other coach, you know, talk to these kids more than I did. So every <laughs> night I was on the phone, I was texting them, you know, during the day while they were in school, hope, hoping they wouldn't respond right away. Hopefully they were in class. But, uh, you know, just making sure that that was the focus is bringing, you know, enough people, but also bringing the right people onto campus. I was very uh, deliberate with who we were talking to and very unapologetic about what the school was because, the last thing I wanted to do was bring in, you know, 20 guys and have 10 of them hate it here and leave right. after the first semester and be in a really bad spot. So we definitely uh, prioritized finding the right fits here. You mentioned the right fit. Like when you're looking at kids and obviously there's a broad scope of kids, there's thousands, thousands of kids playing lacrosse. Like how did you kind of go about identifying like, you know, which events that you wanted to go find and then finding, figuring out like what kids, you know, might fit into Illinois Tech and Chicago? Yeah, it's definitely a uh, still kind of trial and error at this point. Um, last year, I just tried to be at as many things as possible. Um, at that point, my wife and daughter were still living in Kentucky, and so didn't really have to be home for anything. So I was on the road quite a bit, and with the budget they gave me for year one, again, my only focus was recruiting. So I was at a lot of things, you know, coast to coast, um, you know, long nights driving and flying places. But, you know, last year was very much about just seeing as many people as possible. I think when, you know, to the first step is identifying, you know, talented players or people you would want to be in your program. And then yeah. you kind of work into the getting to know them. Are they the right fit academically? Are they the right fit, you know, socially? And so um, tried to, if, at all possible target high level academic camps. Um, you know, things that stand out to me are like New England Top 150 out in Rhode Island or good to great at Amherst College. I mean, those kids are there because they want to go to high level schools. And so generally some, they have the awareness enough to know if they're qualified for those schools. And so the student athletes or the prospective student athletes at those camps are generally pretty high level. Um, students and then on top of that just trying to figure out and this was again part of the education process of the school you know where does our school draw from you know I got here and before I really learned much I kind of figured we'd recruit a lot of Midwest kids and every once in a while we'll get a kid from Colorado or California and figured out pretty quickly that wasn't going to be the case you know our uh, our school I don't know the actual percentage, but you'd be shocked at how low the percentage is from the Chicago area. And um, looking at some of the rosters online, I noticed a lot of California, noticed some decent amount of East Coast guys and or kids on the teams. And so definitely tried to target club programs that I knew were from those areas and uh, just areas that I knew we had success in other athletic um, programs and just Again, it's not an exact science, but I think year one it was throw as much against the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, last year I traveled a lot less to random events and tried to be a little more specific with what I was looking for with what had worked this year. And yeah. what I figured out pretty quickly is what worked last year might not work this year. And uh, the recruiting class we have right now, just from who we're talking to, looks pretty different than how last year's class ended up. So I think it's always a bit of an evolution, but just trying to be consistent with uh, going after the right types of kids when you find them. Yeah. Well, did you learn anything about the type of kid that might be interested? Because, I mean, so you have a few sophomores, and I think you said you had like maybe one or two juniors. Um, you're pitching kids to come play lacrosse, and they may, you know, they didn't play their first year. Like, mm -hmm. they might, you know, they may not have played a freshman year somewhere else, but, like, they didn't even get to, to practice. Like, did you find like is there a certain type of kid that, you know, kind of starting 
starting something new mm-hmm. was the attractive part and why they came? Yeah, I think one of my big selling points to a lot of the guys who are here now as first-year students was, uh, you know, there's open spots. You know, there's uh, no starting goalie coming back. There's no all-conference midfielder that you have to dethrone. I think it was very much – and I think a lot of them liked the idea of you're going to come here and you're going to be able to build something from the start. And, you know, kind of corny little analogy of just like the innovative side and the creative side they have. I think they're building a lot of things while they're here. And so maybe the idea of starting from scratch with a lacrosse program and being able to shape it however they want to was pretty attractive to them. I think there's a few guys on this team that – I think heard the fact that, you know, there's a good chance you start and can compete for playing time all four years you're here. Uh, I think that spoke to them as a couple of our guys. I told you when you got here, I think we stole a few guys that probably shouldn't be playing for a first year program, but the schools they were talking to were, you know, nationally competitive teams that they were probably going to go and not even get a chance to play freshman year and would have to work their way up. But I think the idea of getting to uh, play right away was big for a lot of them. Yeah. So outside of the recruiting stuff as well, obviously, you know, you guys are picking, obviously the school logo and the colors and some of that stuff are determined, but like you guys are starting a program from scratch. Like what else goes into starting a program other than just physically getting players here and on campus? Yeah, I think one of the big things I figured out this fall was um, as much as I want to focus on X's and O's and, you know, schemes, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of teaching that goes into how to be a college athlete and how to, you know, handle, you know, the situations that arise from time management to, you know, practice settings, just little things that, you know, maybe irk me in ways that kids probably don't think about, you know, little, I, the big, the example that jumps off the page is, you know, wearing white shirt under your pads was kind of the expectation and guy showing up with a sleeveless shirt the first you know day, as much as I wanted to scream at him and make him run, it's like, okay, well, no upperclassmen are here to explain to them that we need sleeves on our shirts. So I need to be the one. So there was a lot of uh, just weird things or maybe things I took for granted or I thought were obvious and there's no way a kid would ever do this, but you know, they don't have any um, kind of baseline for expectation. And so I think that was a big thing for me to figure out quickly, uh, you know, to harp on the academic side, you know, class attendance, our guys haven't had an issue with it, but it was something I worried about without, you know, the upperclassmen to kind of model yourself after off the field and on the field, you know, just making sure guys understood the expectations of college athletics. And although to me, there might be things that seem like they're not quite up to par, you know, making sure the guys are working towards that and understand what the expectation is. Yeah. So uh, outside of the, you know, so you were kind of that upperclassman almost uh, for, for yeah. the guys for a lot of occasions. Um, so, you know, outside of that, like, what's some of the stuff, like, that you guys have kind of been preparing, like, off the field to kind of get ready for? Yeah, I mean, definitely the off-field training. Uh, the beautiful part but terrifying part of Division Three is, as a coach, you get your guys for one month in the fall, and then about, you know, if you're fortunate enough to make it to Memorial Day weekend, it's about four months in the spring, four and a half months. And so that's a grand total of five to five and a half months that you are – allowed to be with the team in a lacrosse capacity so there's seven months out of the year where you're not 
allowed to be around them or not allowed to hold mandatory anythings. And so um, definitely just, you know, harping on the guys on what they need to be doing in the off season. We did individual meetings at the end of fall and laid out a plan for each guy on what they need to focus on, what they need to improve the most. And, you know, it differs by player. Obviously, different positions have different needs. But I think one of the big ones for us was the weight room, you know, just talking to guys and showing them what needs to be done in the weight room because our team's a bunch of 18 and 19-year-old kids who, you know, may have never touched a weight in their life. I don't expect anyone to be a great weightlifter when they get to college. You know, some surprise you and played football or something and know what they're doing. Others have never probably didn't know where the weight room was in high school and you know we're going into a season where our starting 10 players are all going to be you know first maybe second year of college and you're going to be playing teams that start eight eight or nine guys who are juniors or seniors who have been not only in college but lifting in college weight rooms and weight programs so that's been a huge point of emphasis obviously stick skills and conditioning has been a big piece as well but um, the weight room's probably been the biggest thing for us in the off season where um, every time I walk into the weight room I just hope our guys are in there and they've been pretty uh, good about it and again it's kind of one of those things that if they're expecting to compete at a high level I just you know kind of show them videos of older guys who are playing in this conference and say can you handle that can you physically take you know that kind of hit or can you physically stop that guy from getting down hill and I think you know film shows a lot and I think it's kind of scared some guys into the weight room and uh, motivated other guys to continue what they're doing but I think that's probably one of the big things outside of practice and X's and O's that we've been harping on a lot is just the physical transformation that has to go on as a college athlete um, and the one we're going to have to do a little quicker than a lot of places just because of our situation. Yeah. So what's it like? Because we're sitting here, I think it's like a couple days before Thanksgiving now. So like the recruiting period's kind of over. We're literally in a dead time where, you know, we're just, we're all just waiting for lacrosse season to start. Um, what's this time of year like for, for you and for the players? Yeah, I always call it the, this is the dog days of winter for me, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, my thing is, especially when you get to this point in the semester, guys are, it's a little bit of a drag. I think, you know, you go through fall ball, everyone's excited. You're seeing your teammates every day and, you know, grabbing lunch or dinner after practice or, you know, breakfast before a morning lift. And uh, you get to mid-November and it's like you turn, you know, time flies and you turn around. It's like, man, fall ball ended a month ago and I haven't seen you know, any of the architecture majors in four weeks or I haven't seen the business guys in a couple months. And, you know, it's just a weird time of year. So uh, what I've been trying to do is as much as possible um, getting out onto campus. I think, you know, my office is in the northwest corner of campus, so there's not much reason for guys to come over here. So I kind of put myself in the middle in the student union center, just, you know, try to organize meetings throughout the fall just to check in on guys. I think one of the big things we went through this year is um, the late October kind of frost and snow that we went through, uh, making sure Caleb from San Diego was still alive and uh, hadn't gone home or anything, but all those guys are taking it in stride, I think. The big thing is just, I was talking to another coach here about this recently, um, 
just making sure the guys are staying with each other, you know, kind of having fun with one another, um, organizing or kind of helping organize events. You know, our guys are, like I told you, they're doing a lot of pickup basketball and uh, just getting around each other, running around, sweating, competing with one another because as much as I think I play a role in their lives, I think it's way more important for them to have camaraderie and friendships on the team because, um, you know, I think that's the most important part of, or one of the most important pieces of a college program is just the relationships you build, the friendships that are going to last you the rest of your life, as opposed to hopefully you stay in touch with your coach and he has an impact on your life, but you see your teammates way more than you see your coach. And so making sure guys are, you know, hanging out together, enjoying themselves, but at the same time, making sure they're buckling down academically. This is absolutely the most depressing time of year here on campus because it's getting dark at 5 p.m. and it's a little colder than everyone likes it to be and everyone's kind of in their little uh communities of you know you're all the civil engineers are kind of walking from class to class together and maybe they don't bump into the biology majors or the aerospace engineers too much but they uh, just making sure the camaraderie on the team is still there because once they get through these next two weeks and this year with Thanksgiving being so late it's a weird time frame of they go to Thanksgiving break and then they get right back and that Monday is finals so a lot of our guys from far away aren't going home this week so they'll be around I've already volunteered our team they don't know this yet but to work a a basketball game this weekend and we'll uh, set it all up and as much as they might not want to I'm sure they'll be kind of refreshed to see some faces and talk to some guys they haven't gotten to spend a ton of time with over the last couple of weeks. So yeah. that's probably the toughest thing about this time of year is the excitement of, you know, school starting, everyone's pick up and captain's practices and school's not too hard yet. And then fall ball starts. So it's a little more organized, a little more strict, a lot more, you know, time that, you know, you don't have. And then you get into this period of, oh man, well, you know, what do I do at 6 p.m. when it's pitch black outside and haven't seen some of my buddies in a few weeks. So that's the toughest thing about this time of year, I would say. Plus, i got to figure you guys are still waiting to play your first game. So that's got to, you know, add that on to it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, last year this time it was a countdown for the day our lacrosse team moved into campus and this time it's more of a you know countdown to february 25th opening the game here at home so just uh me personally trying to keep my sanity and trying to help <laughs> our guys keep their sanity is the biggest thing at this point yeah i guess it's been a while for you to have coached a game a competitive game too yeah so i believe it was uh I think it was April 21st of 2018 was the last game I coached. And so, uh, yeah, I said it at fall. I actually went through and did the math of how many days it had been since I coached a college practice. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, again, it's – it's not about me at all, I wouldn't say, but it is kind of last year. It was just uh, it was a whirlwind and, you know, times I was banging my head against a wall just wondering why I had done this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, started to see some of the fruits of the labor here in the fall and uh, hopefully continuing to build moving forward. I talked to a lot of coaches who had started programs and um, Dave Cesaro down at Rhodes College, I think, gave me one of the best pieces of advice is, you know, celebrate every little victory, whether it's, you know, the first practice, whether it's the first, you know, commitment, whether it's the first, you know, day in the weight room, just celebrate everything, you know, have fun with it. And no one really has expectations other than you for the first year. So don't 
feel too much pressure. Yeah. I guess for anybody who was wondering, like, I guess last February we had that polar vortex in Chicago, so it was like, I think, minus 40 or minus 50. Um, so that was kind of your your welcome to Chicago moment for the winter. As yeah, well. it was uh, it was definitely different than Kentucky, and um, <laughs> the r- relieving part was that every coach here said it was the coldest day in 40 years, so hopefully for the next 40 years we don't see that again and Let's we hope. can uh, get through the winter. Um, so I kind of want to give you a chance to kind of do, do the pitch. Like you're, you're talking to recruit, like what, what you kind of had some time to perfect it too since you've had a few classes. Like when you're sitting down and talking to the guys and talking to their parents, like what, how are you selling them on the program? Like what are you telling them? Yeah, I mean, we always start with the school side because I'm a firm believer if you find the right kids who embrace the school and want to be successful for that school, they're going to end up being the successful ones on the field as well. Um, and it helps me not have to play much academic motivator throughout the year. I think, um, you know, as a Division three coach, you have a lot of responsibilities. You wear a lot of hats and not to pat myself on the back, but just you don't have as much time or energy to sit there and be like, hey, going to class is a really good idea or you know let's get this grade up um i try i always like pride our team on making me more of a psychologist when you know a class is giving them a hard time but um you know my pitch to them is essentially when you get the people you know i always tell them from the get-go there's a specific type of person who's uh, successful here um you know we pride ourselves and we really excel in the stem majors we have some you know, unique programs outside of that, like our business school is very high level. Um, But when you get the right people with the right academic focus, what you start to figure out pretty quickly is the students who go here and go on into the world are very successful. You know, we talked about it on our tour, the founder of Motorola, the creator of the cell phone, the inventor of the Amazon Alexa, the, you know, founder of barcode scanning systems, uh, the guy who designed the Yeezy brand are all alumni of here. And so you start hearing a lot of these people who have impacted the world in the technology in the engineering fields and our students are pretty highly sought after for that reason um you know the job fairs here are just next level unbelievable companies are here targeting specific types of students and so you know we break it down and we kind of joked about this earlier today i think there's a the beauty of lacrosse is there's no unrealistic expectation that people are going to make millions of dollars playing after college. Um, Even if you make it to the PLL or MLL, you're going to need a full-time job throughout the week in between games. And so, uh, you know, one of the big things for us is just making sure the recruits here or the families here understand your son's going to come here. He's going to get a great education, whether he wants to be a physics major, a biomedical engineer, or a, you know, computer engineer, uh, they're going to get a great education. They're going to get opportunities. Like I said, I mean, we're three train stops from Millennium Park here, and um, the opportunities for internships, work experience here is pretty much unparalleled as anywhere I've been. And uh, they're going to get that experience, and their resume is going to be very impressive for that reason, and people are going to want Illinois Tech alumni working for them because of the impacts that we've had on the world from technology to engineering already. And so um, we always talk about that four-year process to prepare for the 40 years after college, and then I always tell them that academics is going to be your priority here, but the supplemental experience you get on the lacrosse field is going to shape you in a lot of ways to prepare you to be a pretty sought or pretty attractive candidate for employment and um, you know the experiences you go through here from the time management to the teamwork to the leadership training 
and just down to the bad days, the adversity you have to go through as a college athlete. And uh, it kind of breaks you down and builds you back up in a lot of ways where when you get out into the world, you're going to be ready to take on pretty extreme op- um, experiences, pretty tough opportunities, and you're not going to bat an eye because you've gone through a lot of bad times already. And I think that's kind of refreshing for parents to hear that, you know, we, if you have a class or you have a lab and we have practice, you go to class or you go to the lab, you know, our student, they get excused for games, but you know, we make a priority of our academics here first. And the athletic side is something we kind of expect our guys to enjoy. And it's not a job or it's not a, uh, something they feel like they necessarily have to do. It's something they want to do when they get out to the field. They seem to be having fun because that's almost their break from academics is the opportunity to go out and shoot around. The opportunity to get in the weight room with their buddies and lift is the ref- the relieving part or the refreshing part of the day. And so um, I think that's our big selling point is just, again, you know, you're going to do great things in the whatever field you go into, but we need to make sure that you have an advantage over other student or other applicants with your experience through the lacrosse program. And as much as we want to win every game, I understand at the end of the day, if you put your win-loss record on your resume and that's all you have to say for yourself, it's not going to get you very far. But if at the bottom of a pretty impressive resume, it's like, oh, yeah, I played lacrosse, I was a captain for our team and was all-conference, I mean, that's just going to you know, take you to the top of the list pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, you know, well, that kind of takes us up, or I guess we're almost at game day. But, like, I put it out on uh, social media a few weeks ago just for people to ask, like, what questions for, like, D3 and D2 coaches to ask. And I'm asking you a, a few of those now. Um, so we kind of covered what the recruiting process is like for a D3 program, but, you know, what's maybe some differences that maybe parents or players don't know um, that's the difference between for you guy at D3 versus a D1 guy? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, you've probably heard this phrase a bunch, but there's no exact science behind it. I think uh, it's a little bit of a math game, if you ask me, just putting yourself – in successful scenarios. Um, you know, it's as far as division three goes, um, you know, the one thing I love about division three is just the wide variety of schools you'll get. Um, you know, I was watching the NCAA soccer tournament was this weekend and I saw a team at a school of 1400 students be at a school of 19,000 students. So there's a huge spectrum that you can find. I think, you know, what I encourage people to do is, you know, sit down and really evaluate what you want, what you are. I think self-evaluation is huge. There's no point in wasting time going to visit schools that there's no chance you will ever get into or, you know, vice versa that you're probably way too qualified to be at. Um, I think it's very wise to kind of sit down and talk to, you know, an advisor or go online, you can probably type in what you want, what your grades are and what everything and find 30 schools that fit your needs. And, you know, I always tell her, whoever contacts us is that this has to be a place you can see yourself if you weren't playing lacrosse. If tomorrow you walked out and, you know, broke your neck, some slipped on ice or something, you know, and never got to play lacrosse again, would you be happy at that school? And it's a little bit of a morbid example, but I think it goes a long way in finding the right place. And so Division Three, um, 
is a lot looser with their, um, you know, kind of rules on recruiting. We don't have dead periods. There's a lot fewer regulations on contact hours. And so, um, you know, I pride myself on trying to be available to our recruits as much as possible. I think I shock some of them when they text me late at night and I get right back to them. I don't sleep a ton these days. But um, so the difference between D3 and D1, I think, is there's just a much wider variety of schools. I think there's a much less concrete timeline of recruiting with you know division one and division two you have these signing days and signing periods where i think a lot of stuff is dictated by those dates and a lot of division three schools you know as much as recruiting with verbal commitments and stuff might have quote unquote full classes you still have i guess until most of the time may first actually make your decision on where you're going and um, you know some schools do get put in a bind because the academic standards are so high that they have to use support to get certain students in and you do have to make a decision but i think the big thing with d3 is everyone kind of has their own path there's kids who i've been talking to in the 2020 class since last december and you know there's kids who have reached out to me in the last three days that it's the first contact we've ever had with them so everyone kind of has their own journey i always encourage people the earlier you can start the more information you can collect and make a little bit more educated decision but I always just encourage kids you know make sure you're not closing any doors and just trying to find the right fit for you you know maybe take a visit you didn't think you would enjoy the school but I think you know you'll be shocked by some of the stuff you find yeah actually brings me to my next question is as far as like because um, a lot gets made of the January 1st junior year and one of the parents asked me like what is a d3 coach's ability to talk to underclassmen like is there a you may, and you mentioned um, a lot less restrictions. So kind of clarify, what are those? Yeah, I mean, my big thing, my personal um, thing on it is I don't like to talk to freshmen and sophomores. Usually they reach out and I'll say, hey, very happy to hear of your interest. Make sure to keep, you know, keep us abreast as to what's going on. And, uh, you know, by the time you're a junior, we'll definitely be looking at that point. It's just too many people to be juggling four recruiting classes at a time. Uh, I don't, as far as contact goes, you're pretty much allowed to talk to anybody whenever, um, you know, but I think for the most part, D3 coaches are generally looking at those junior classes to see what they're able to do with their senior classes. Um, You know, big things like you start talking to a junior who has a high GPA, you know, you got to wait to see what their test scores look like after their first time to see if it's, you know, worth both of you continuing that and some people again will surprise you with the second time they take it but I think the junior year is a lot less about you know trying to nail kids down for your class and more sifting through who the right people are to be going after all right well um I think that we have many other questions but I've asked uh, some of those before and I don't you know we've you've given me more of your time than I think I would have expected and you've been very gracious. Um, but is there anything that I didn't ask or we didn't cover today that you would like people to know either about Illinois tech, the program, or just in general? Um, yeah, I mean, I always just encourage kids whenever we're talking, you know, what do I need to work on? Or, you know, there, 
I don't think you'll ever hear a coach say that someone has too good of stick skills or has too high of an IQ. And so my encouragement is, you know, the individual um, time commitment and the um, sac or sacrifices might not be the right word, but just the dedication to the sport. I know I love this sport. I've moved all over the country to coach it, but I think there's an element of, you know, playing games is a lot of fun and people think is the most fruitful way to get better. But there's an element of standing in front of a wall for 30 minutes and just getting a bunch of touches and, you know, throwing different style passes and, you know, getting, you know, throwing yourself bad passes at time on purpose to work on catching them. And then watching the sport is kind of one of those things that it shocks me, you know, with the technology these days, uh, YouTube has kind of become one of those things that if I was in eighth grade, you know, and had YouTube, that would have been a huge help. I, in my, um, desk over there I actually still have VHS games from Syracuse and Hopkins playing in like the late 90s early 2000s and yeah. so um, I think those are the things I always kind of whenever anyone asked me if I had advice just keep working at it I mean you know put yourself in a position where you can catch and throw passes you know with both hands or if, you know you play one-handed you can do it effectively and you know recruiting is always kind of that weird balance of uh, you know being in the right place at the right time and if your stick skills aren't up to par you might you know put yourself in a tough spot to be recruited by the school you want to be and so you know don't give them any reasons to cross you off make sure you're evolving your game and improving any chance you get and uh, there's no better time than the current as far as you know opportunities for people to get better at the sports with the amount of technology and access out there all right i think that's the perfect way to wrap it up thank you coach absolutely thank you